Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, we got a big program for you on this Thursday, the 18th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Coming up in about a half an hour at about 10, or excuse me, 9.35 rather, we will talk to our friend Daniel Horowitz, who is a senior editor at Conservative Review. He is also the author of a tremendous book that you should read if you are concerned at all about uh, the state of judicial activism in the United States. Uh, and by the way, I should have brought in Daniel to talk about stolen sovereignty, his book, when I talked uh, to uh, Mark Meckler from Convention of the States, because that's what Daniel has been talking about, too. I had Mark Meckler on earlier this week talking about the Article 5 Convention of the States that uh, they and, and and I and others are pushing for to uh, make s- uh, some very important amendments to the Constitution, particularly as it pertains to judicial term limits. No more lifetime appointments uh, for federal judges. And one of the reasons why is covered in Daniel's book, Stolen Sovereignty. So Daniel will join us to talk about a number of things, including the caravan that continues to make its way north, and it continues to defy the threats and the warnings given by the President of the United States. As a matter of fact, what has happened since the president made that warning, is that the caravan has grown. First of all, let me get to the rest of the schedule. Daniel Horowitz, and then coming up, excuse me, at 10.35, will be the next Act for America speaker, and that will be coming up uh, this coming Monday, I believe, and we'll confirm. Zach Taylor is going to be joining us to talk about what his uh, speech and uh, presentation will be about about, uh, as Act for America, which is an extraordinarily important national security organization that I... uh, uh, continue to work with in uh, whatever limited capacity I can. That'll be coming up at 1035. But I want to go back to the caravan now. Since the president 
made the uh, the warning or gave the warning, if you will, to the Guatemalan government uh, and others, saying, if you don't turn this caravan back around and if you insist on sending them to our border to try to cross our border illegally, you can forget about a nickel of aid coming from the United States to your country. I just thought it was so perfect. I thought it was so amazingly presidential to say this is the way it's going to be. We will not be held hostage by these international games uh, as people try to paint us as being unsympathetic to people who are fleeing persecution and people who are fleeing uh, you know, disaster and so on and so forth. Um, no, horse garbage. Because if you were fleeing persecution, you would take asylum the first place you can find. How about Mexico? If you're Honduran, how about Guatemala? If that's not good enough, how about Mexico? No, they're going to continue to march north through Mexico to get to the United States because it's not about fleeing persecution. It is not about fleeing disaster. It is about getting to the United States and taking advantage of the greatest nation on earth and the loopholes in our system. That's what this entire thing is all about. We cannot allow this to happen. So since the president made that threat to Guatemala saying not a nickel, or excuse me, to Honduras rather, not, not Guatemala, not a nickel comes to you if uh, you don't turn this caravan around. You do what you got to do. You speed some motorcycle cops up in front of them, and you you create a blockade. You you arrest them. You do what you got to do to get this uh, caravan turned around. It started with about a 1,000 migrants from Honduras on Saturday. Since the president has made his uh, his remarks and his threat to them about, about funding, it has grown to 4,000 migrants. And it has actually broken off into two partitions, strangely enough. The president, if you recall his original message, the United States has strongly informed the president of Honduras that if the large caravan of people heading to the U.S. is not stopped and brought back to Honduras, no more money or aid will be given to Honduras effective immediately. Now, Mexico responded after that, according to GASP, MSNBC, Uh, Documents obtained show that the Mexican government has sent 500 federal police to their border with Guatemala in anticipation of the arrival. The president tweeted Wednesday about the caravan again, this time tying it to Democrats in the midterms. I'll get to there in a second because this is important. I'll get to the president's uh, in uh, uh, second set of comments on this in a moment. But the Mexican government is allegedly, now we have to see if they carry through or if this is just a, a strong show for the cameras. But the Mexican government has reportedly, as I just mentioned, sent uh, troops to their own border to stop the influx from Guatemala. Okay? That's good. That's a positive thing. Makes me wonder two things. Number one, are they legitimate, or is this a show? And number two, if it is legitimate, is this a part of the new NAFTA? I just wonder, as the president signed off on a new agreement with, um, uh, you know, a new North American trade agreement, if you will. Um, the United, what do they call it? United States, Mexico, Canada agreement. It's got some goofy acronym or abbreviation. But at any rate, I just wonder if this wasn't part of it. One of the things that will, that will impact our trade is, and this is speculation only, but the president could have, could have uh, included language that said, you know, one of the things that will impact our trade with you is your commitment to keeping your people or people from around the world who are using your nation as a conduit to get to the United States, you keep them on your side of the border. 
Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. I wish we did, but we'll try to find that out. So that's a big part of this. Now let's bring the story current as some 4,000 people now, and it's probably growing and continuing to uh, head uh, north. By the way, marching under the Honduran flag. I said this on yesterday's program, and I cannot overstate this. They are not flying American flags as if to say, we love America, we want to be Americans. Stars and stripes forever, red, white, and blue, we want to be part of you. No, they're marching under the Honduran flag. They're marching with a massive street-width uh, Honduran flag being carried by uh, you know a dozen people or so. And then they're marching with other Honduran flags waving. That means they are invading the United States. This is not, repeat, not immigration. It's not what immigration looks like. Immigration looks like this. We don't like it in the country we're in anymore. We feel like we'll have better opportunities in another country. We are therefore surrendering. Surrendering. Our... um loyalty if you will and our devotion to our current country with it with 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 the intention of adopting a new one that's what that's what immigration is that doesn't mean you have to surrender your entire culture necessarily but that's what we are doing is we are bringing we are we are coming to the united states and bringing our families because we believe the united states experience to be superior to the the experience we were having and living under in our own home countries therefore we want to be american this is not what this is this is not immigration this is invasion we are honduran we love honduras we love honduran culture and we are bringing honduras to the united states that's an invasion that's not immigration big difference between those two i words so stop this we need to stop this nonsense about it it's about fleeing persecution if you're fleeing persecution you would take refuge in the first place you can find it you would take refuge in mexico or if you're honduras honduran in guatemala but it's not about that. It's about getting the best of all worlds coming to the United States, bypassing other nations that could provide you with the asylum and the refuge you seek. But they're not seeking refuge. They are seeking the gold standard. They are thinking it's, uh, they are seeking the United States and all of the opportunities that come with it, including all of the entitlements and the social assistance and the government assistance provided by the United States that may not be provided by the blank hole countries that they are coming from. Yes, I will continue to double, triple, and quadruple down on the president's description of many of these countries. There's a reason they are fleeing. They are blank hole countries, and they are led by blank hole dictators and, and corrupt uh, government officials, and people are trying to get away from them. And that's fine, except for the fact that they are bringing the entire nation with them under the same flag and more. So why? Well, let me go back. Let me go back, because I did promise to read the president's uh, updated messaging on this. And this is important. The president of the United States has clarified uh, and built upon the statement that I read to you a few moments ago. Just this morning, the president tweeted the following. It's a series of three tweets, so please listen. I am watching the Democrat Party led. I'm sorry, let me read that again more, more, more fluidly. I am watching the Democrat Party led 
and then parenthetically here, because they want open borders and existing weak laws, assault on our country by Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, whose leaders are doing little to stop this large flow of people, including many criminals, from entering Mexico to U.S., Second tweet. In addition to stopping all payments to these countries, which seem to have almost no control over their population, I must, in the strongest of terms, ask Mexico to stop this onslaught. And if unable to do so, I will call up the U.S. military and close our southern border. Third tweet. The assault on our country and our southern border, including the criminal elements and drugs pouring in, is far more important to me as president than trade or the USMCA. That's the, uh, you know, again, the initial uh, uh, alphabet of the uh, new trade agreement. Hopefully Mexico will stop this onslaught at their northern border. All Democrats' fault for weak laws. All I can say to the president of the United States... Is that is what sounding presidential is all about. That is what it means to sound presidential. To lead from the front and not sit here and say, well, we're currently studying the situation and we're going to form a blue ribbon task group to figure out the best way to deal with this. And no, the president is saying, you turn these people around and stop thinking the United States is your dumping ground uh, for your problems. You turn them around or you get not a nickel from us. And oh, by the way, Mexico... You turn them around before they get to the border, or we bring the military here, and none of your people will ever get back in here again either. We will militarize the border. Now, I don't know how long we can do that, unless, of course, we are asking the military to build the doggone wall while they're there. And that, to me, would be a great, great idea. Militarize the border, Mr. President. Call up the U.S. military to close our southern border and give them a load of bricks while you're there. While they're there, rather. Give them a load of bricks and have them start doing the construction. This is what needs to happen. This is a flat-out assault on the United States. It's an invasion of the United States, and it cannot be allowed. And the president, by the way, is being criticized by Democrats saying this is not a Democrat. Yes, it is. You encourage illegal immigration. You encourage open border society. You nominated a woman who said she wanted an open borders Western Hemisphere. In 2016, yes, Democrats, you own all of this. So this this next caravan is going to be followed by another one, and then another one after that, and another one after that, until we step up and do exactly what President Trump is doing right now, playing hardball with these people. And again, this is why we voted for President Trump. Hillary Clinton would roll out the red bleeping carpet for thousands and thousands and thousands of El Salvadorans, of uh, of uh, Nicaraguans, or of of, of uh, Guatemalans, or Hondurans, or or whatever. Whether they're coming from Latin America, coming from Central America, coming from South America, coming from the Middle East, for crying out loud. Doesn't matter. They find their way into Mexico and then cross our poor southern border, and the Democrats like it. Why do the Democrats like it? I will answer that question after the traffic report that's coming up next. It's 921, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Smuggling guns and arms across the Spanish border. The wind whips up the waves aloud. The ghost moon sails.
925 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer continuing. Uh, I'll give the phone numbers. I probably should do that. I haven't done it yet this morning. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers gets you here. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Twitter. Uh, find me at Radio Done Right on uh, Twitter. Even though I don't like it, I am there because I feel like I need to be there. Uh, it is a mess, but uh, I'm there at Radio Done Right. And Facebook, find me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. All one word, no spaces, and no underscores. I asked a question right before the break. Why are the Democrats so invested in allowing our borders to be uh, overrun by illegal immigrants from Honduras to Mexico to Guatemala and anywhere uh, around the world? Why are they so intent upon illegal immigration in the United States? And the answer to that question, of course is very plain. They want more voters. And they've stopped pretending that they don't. That's a big part of this. They, they, they've pretty much pulled back the curtain on themselves to admit and acknowledge, we need these people to vote. I got back-to-back stories here, one from Breitbart, about migrant families and minors at the Texas border have hit unprecedented levels, say the feds. Which, of course, when, when stories like this are told and when the feds are making pronouncements that we are now at an all-time high of these families trying to come to the United States, uh, it's one of, the, one of the reasons why we get more fired up and scream for our border wall, the thing we voted for in November of 2016. Second story back-to-back here is the Democrats essentially admitting that, yes, we want these people to vote for us. That's why we need them to be here. Stacey Abrams is the one who is, the, who is um, uh, I, I think, most responsible for revealing the intentions of the left and of the Democrat Party. She is a um, candidate for governor in the state of Georgia. And Secretary of State Brian Kemp is running against her, uh, won his primary by uh, doing his best imitation of President Trump and talking about the need to secure our border and some of these other very important things that help get President Trump elected. Well, responding to that, uh, Stacey Abrams, the Democrat, essentially said, that's racist. That's racist. This guy wants voter ID laws. This guy wants border security, et cetera, et cetera. That's in order to stop black people from voting, and it's in order to stop uh, minorities from coming to the United States and and supporting uh, Democrats, or excuse me, yeah, supporting Democrats. Regarding the racism charge, Kemp argued he's following a law that beyond, uh, beyond simply being the law, common sense precaution of protecting the integrity of the vote, which we have all said, right? But the conflict of interest was a blow to him in what has turned out to be a highly competitive race in a red state that, thanks to demographic changes, has trended purple. But his problems were solved when Abrams was taped giving a speech last week during a joint appearance with Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Liawatha Focahontas Fraudazuma uh, Warren in Jonesboro, Georgia and an expansive prediction of how Democrats would sweep this country with a blue wave, Abrams declared that, yes, undocumented, illegal immigrants in the United States would be a part of that blue wave. But the thing of it is, the blue wave is African-American. It's white, it's Latino, it's Asian Pacific Islander. It is disabled. 
It is differently abled. It is LGBTQ. It is law enforcement. It is veterans. It is made up of those who've been told that they are not worthy of being here. Don't know why that audio glitched at the moment of truth. Sorry, but let's hear that again to see if we can make that work. That's a total uh, audio glitch. Apologies for that. One more time. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's glitched out big time. Maybe the uh, uh, audio engineer tried to um, uh, echo effect it so that you could hear it. But she said it is made up of documented and undocumented. I will read the direct quote for you just to make sure you have this. She said it is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. It is comprised of those who have been told they're, uh, told they're successful and those who have been left behind. So what this Democrat in Georgia has done was essentially said, yes, the blue wave, which means voters, 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 voting for Democrats in this upcoming election will be made up of documented and undocumented. And yet they want to tell us that voter fraud doesn't exist. And they want to tell us that voter ID and proof of citizenship, which means the right and eligibility to vote, is not necessary. They are not... Look, don't think these stories are independent of one another. They are acknowledging that undocumented immigrants are going to come and vote for them and they're going to vote blue, and then they are calling for more undocumented immigrants. Open the border, no border wall, welcome these uh, caravans to the United States. These are Democrat voters for life. Daniel Horowitz will analyze this with us coming up from uh, Conservative Review right after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Thirty-five. As we roll onward on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. A great morning to you. Um, wow. I, I want to follow up on this, and I wanted you to hear it because, again, the audio just kind of glitched at right at the wrong time. Uh, as uh, we heard, Stacey Abrams, the Georgia candidate for governor, essentially saying, "Yeah, we're invested in uh, uh, voter fraud. We are invested in the idea of illegal immigrants coming to this country and uh, interfering with our elections by casting illegal votes as non-citizens." And we really aren't afraid to say. The thing it is, the blue wave is African American. Yeah. It's white. It's Latino. It's Asian Pacific Islander. Yeah. Yeah. It is disabled. Yeah. It is differently able. Yeah. It is LGBTQ. Yeah. It is law enforcement. Yeah. It is veterans. Yeah. It is made up of those who've been told that they are not worthy of being here. Yeah. It is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. Yeah. The blue wave is comprised of those who are documented and undocumented. I mean, I don't need too much more uh, to know where they're coming from. Joining us now to analyze caravans and much more is our friend Daniel Horowitz. Daniel is, of course, the senior editor at Conservative Review. You can see him and watch him and listen to him on uh, CRTV, and you should definitely get his book, Stolen Sovereignty. Daniel, good to have you back here on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you, sir? Great to be back, stranger. 
Yeah, it has been far too long. It's uh, It's been a crazy period of time, obviously, with all the Kavanaugh hearings and more. But now we're so close to the midterms. I really wanted to get you on to talk about those things, talk about the, uh, you know, analyze the midterm elections. But also, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the, 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 the caravan that is on its way and the president, in my mind, Daniel, being more presidential and more of a leader, perhaps, than anybody I've heard in decades when he said, look, this is we're no more. There's no more game playing here. We're not going to play all of these little legal games at our border. If you don't get these people turned around, he said to the Honduran government, if you don't get them turned around and head back to your country, you get not a nickel from the United States again. And we all know that they don't use their nickels from the United States to feed the people. The people in power take all of the money, which is why people want to flee Honduras. And you are going to be cut off from this uh, this gravy train. And now that they have continued and the number has grown from 1,000 to 4,000, now the president is essentially warning Mexico, you keep them on your side of the border or I bring the military to my side and you get no one ever across into this country again. I, I've been waiting for that kind of leadership for a long time. Now my question is, is will he follow through with it? Well, man, we, we needed that a year ago. It was around this time that the surge started. If you remember, just the perception that Trump would change things created the lowest, pretty much the lowest uh, number of crossings in years in the spring, summer of 2017. It was the fall of 2017 that the surge started. And now, by the way, the, the caravan is important. It's important to stop it. But let's just not forget that there are tens of thousands of others that come over not with a caravan that we're letting in catch and release come into our communities, disseminate drugs and gangs. Ohio has been a top three drug overdose state, and no, it's not from prescription drugs. 85% of Ohio fatalities are from heroin, fentanyl, and meth and cocaine, which aren't even opioids. They're all coming from the Mexican drug cartels. It all started around the first Central American surge, 2014-2015, then re-intensified 2017-2018, um, the Washington Post is sitting on the new September numbers, by the way. Don't ask me why the administration gives the Washington Post the exclusive. But evidently, in September, we have seen the largest number of family units ever coming across the border in one month. You know, I looked at some of the sector data, and some mm-hmm. of the sectors like Tucson, 88% of them are males. Doesn't that sound awfully similar to Europe? on the dynamic they're dealing with there. This is not a silo, and that is the key point here. Uh, a lot of people are asking me, hey, did the president read your article yesterday? Well, I hope he did, but whether he did or didn't, he started off on the right foot today. Treat this like the invasion that it is. It's not asylum. It's not legal. There is nothing in our laws or constitution that require us to do this. And by the way, you know what's interesting? A lot of people know about the famous quote, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. You know where that came from? That came from Justice Robert Jackson, the great um, dissenter in Korematsu, a great defender of due process rights. But he actually said in the First Amendment case, and this was an American who was inciting violence, um, that's when he said that, you know, the Constitution is not a suicide pact. So even if the Constitution required us somehow to commit suicide, we wouldn't do it. Certainly, um, as I pointed out in my piece, the president is right to shame Congress into acting, and I think he needs to threaten to veto the budget bills uh, to, to really affect that threat. But absent congressional action, the president has 
full authority to block any form of immigration. That is that is a hundred percent. Nobody is ever allowed to just come to our points of entry and demand we let them in. Because my point is, if the president doesn't follow through with this and he lets in whether it's the caravan or, or again, tens of thousands of other people, the wall is meaningless because you could build a wall to the stratosphere. But the reality is, if you continue the suicidal policy of fake asylum, they just come to the points of entry themselves, surrender themselves, and get released. Daniel, I need more detail on that part. Um, uh, I, I, I do know about the president's plenary power. We talked about this, you know, when he first took office and instituted his first uh, travel ban. They will not call it a Muslim ban. It was not a Muslim ban. It was a travel ban, a restriction, a temporary restriction from certain countries that are exporting terrorism, essentially. Um, and we all know what happened. Federal judges said, well, you can't do that, and they stopped. And he had to rewrite it not once but twice, but I think three times uh, before it finally held up. Um, and And... And, and this is all despite the the uh, Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952 and 8 U.S. Code 1182F, which all give him plenary power to make decisions on who gets to come into this country as an individual or as a group at his discretion, as as far as, as he deems necessary. So having said that, where are we from the court standpoint if the president says, I am ordering uh, these people removed and I am ordering these people blocked, I'm going to use the military to do it, I don't need Congress. Where where are we in the court system on that? And then the second thing, Daniel, is the asylum part. Because so many in these caravan, uh, caravans, they are being coached and taught before they get to the United States border, especially if they come to a port of entry. There are certain keywords and phrases they use to claim persecution by our government, you know, their government, uh, in which case we are uh, essentially, you know, uh, beholden to them, and we have to allow them to come in and make an asylum claim. Um, how do those things square with one another? No, we're not required. Um, nothing ever, ever, ever overrides sovereignty. And if we don't understand that, we don't deserve to be a sovereign nation. This is very important. Now, if you ask me about a lower court, well, there's nothing I could tell you about that because there's nothing Trump could do that a lower court will not violate the Constitution. Um, but we, we've long you know, crossed the Rubicon on that. Um, if, if Trump is going to follow a lower court on that, then you're right. There's nothing we can do. Then we have no nation. Um, you know. Then then the border wall, as I said. Well, what do you mean, Daniel? Hold it. Give, give me more on that. What do you mean if Trump is going to follow the lower court? Uh, does he have a choice? If a lower court says I'm issuing a uh, an, an injunction here and and you cannot do anything until this is heard by a higher court, is the president allowed to say, "Too bad, we're going forward. We're 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 putting the military on the border, et cetera, et cetera." Of course. It's a separate branch of government. I mean, the, the president is in charge of foreign affairs. couple things here. First of all, in, in a 1950 case, which is still the controlling case, Nafi Shaughnessy, the, the, the court said the exclusion of aliens is a very important thing. Before we get into delegated authority, 212F, things like that, the exclusion of aliens is a fundamental act of sovereignty. The right to do so stems not alone from legislative power, but is inherent in the executive power to control foreign affairs of the nation. See, when it, when it comes to – you mentioned deport. I, I would say there's a very important distinction. The president cannot deport anyone that's not pursuant to statute. It, it, he has to follow congressional um, statutes based on that. But to block the entry of – see, before you get on our, our soil um, consensually, that's foreign affairs. 
Congress and the president have concurrent jurisdiction over letting people in, and it goes by the lowest common denominator of sovereignty. So if either one doesn't want to bring someone in, they they cannot be brought in. I would argue that theoretically, even if Congress were to pass a law and say, anyone who ever seeks entry shall be admitted, the president could ensure that they don't, they're not admitted. Um, whereas once they are admitted, he can't deport them um, without... But there's gray area there, though, isn't there, Daniel? There's gray area insofar as catch and release. If they have just been no. told, okay, you, you're, you're requesting asylum, we're not admitting you yet, we're not granting you asylum, you have to have an asylum hearing in front of a judge, and since we don't have one available right now, go hang out a little while, uh, and then we'll call you back for that hearing. Are they considered to have been admitted into the United States if they are, if they are just simply no. pending their, their, their asylum hearing? No, I mean, again, this is settled law. I write about it in my book, and I don't have the quote before me, but actually it's funny you use the word. It's almost verbatim what you said. Um, even if they come in and, they, you know, while their status is pending under question, um, it does not give them a claim. It's all based on consent. It's not Amelia Bedelia-style literalism. Um, this, this, this has been, a, I mean, adjudicated for, for decades. Um, now, if you want to talk about lower courts, denying 100 years of settled law. I mean, I could bring you lower courts that just overturned Trump v. Hawaii. The Supreme Court just said he has the authority, and still lower courts are doing it. That's what I mean. There's no shred of legitimacy to what they're doing. He already had the ruling from the Supreme Court, which is really a reaffirmation of 120 years' worth of rulings. But that's Mm -hmm. the thing. This is foreign affairs, foreign commerce. Um, This is an invasion. You never have to let people in. Uh, you know when, and then when you get to the delegated authority, 212F, as well as there's several other statutes that allow the president, when he feels there's a need, to shut down all immigration. That includes even legitimate asylum. He could say, "Look, there's drugs, there's gangs, there's way too much going on here. For the next six months, um, we need to stop this." And that's how you leverage Congress. That's how you leverage them on long-term reforms. The bottom line is, even us under asylum law, which again could be shut off at any point by the president, mm-hmm. you have to have a legitimate claim, for example, like Charlie Gard, you know, his parents in, in England, that I would argue that, that you're being persecuted by your government. Here, it's very clear that they are all coming to take advantage. It's all incentive. In, in, Guatemalan langu- in uh, Guatemala, Spanish-language media, they're reporting that you could just come here and get released. That's why they're coming. They're coming because they can. Uh, you know, 85% of those who came through the Yuma sector, according to the ICE office there in Phoenix, came from Guatemala based on that information. And you know what's also funny? 95% of them are not staying in Arizona and Texas. They're coming to the East Coast. Oh, yeah, they are. Which is why, yeah. I mean, which they're coming to Ohio, too, by the way. They're coming where we are. And that's why you're seeing the drug and gang problem, ironically, more acute in the East than it is in the West. The, the overdoses are much worse in the East. This is where it's coming in. Um, so what, what I'm just telling you, Bob, is that if we're at the point where we're legitimizing civil disobedience from lower courts, from a recent Supreme Court decision, as well as, I mean, just common sense, sovereignty, the history of nation states. I mean, let me just give you... One quote here from several court cases in the 1950s, 1970s, 
that really, in my mind, bear this to, to, to life. Um, th- this principle that that you know we, we have full control over who comes in has become about as firmly embedded in the legislative and judicial tissues of our body politic as any aspect of our government, not merely by a page of history, but by a whole volume. The concept is inherent in sovereignty, consistent with ancient principles of international law, and to be exercised exclusively by the political branches of the government. There, there, there is no ability for foreign nationals to say, you must let us in. And again, Trump v. Hawaii, we just had a decision on that. So the president is starting out good. He's using diplomacy, which, by the way, demonstrates this is a foreign affairs issue um, at its core. Um, I think, and he hinted to this this morning, I believe, he needs to really leverage NAFTA. Um, the Mexican government badly wants that. And ultimately, the deal we need to strike with Mexico is this. In the long term, we need to stop all asylum at our border, that nobody could ever come in an uncontrolled fashion at our border, because all that does is endangers them and endangers us and empowers the cartels. We need to work with the Mexican government and have a deal that anyone seeking asylum comes in a controlled fashion to our 11 or so consulates we have there. And therefore, the American people are not on the hook pending the adjudication when they pretty much are released and they never show up, especially given that we know 99% aren't real asylees anyway. So I think that is the best way to do it. And then also one other point, you know, some people might talk about international law. Again, international law should never trump sovereignty. But even if it would, they, Mexico is the first safe country. They are designated as such by the U.N. Um, so the fact that they're passing over Mexico to come here makes it that they're ineligible for asylum in, in, in America. That's a great point. And, and I want to talk more about Mexico and about their role in all of this and also what the role of the new trade agreement might be in all of this, Daniel. But I've got to get a traffic here. Can you hang with me for just a moment longer? Sure thing. Th- thank you, Daniel. Really appreciate that. We'll continue with Daniel Horowitz for just a couple more minutes on AM 1420, The Answer. It's sir. All right, it's 9.55. i got five good minutes left with uh, Daniel Horowitz, senior editor at Conservative Review, uh, also on CRTV, also the author of Stolen Sovereignty, How to Stop an Elected Judge is from uh, Transforming America. Daniel, um, the, the multiple reports yesterday say that the Mexican government is acting here. With regard to this caravan, the Mexican government is sending 500 extra federal police to its border with Guatemala in, uh, Guatemala in anticipation of the arrival of that caravan. Do you think, is this a sign that Mexico is taking legitimately and seriously our fears, not fears, but our concerns, uh, and that they're finally going to do the right thing? Or do you think that, and maybe it's a little combination of both, do you think that it's possible that the president negotiated this into the new uh, trade agreement between Mexico and Canada and the United States, that if they don't keep their, uh, you know, their... Um, uh, side of things under control with respect to immigration with our border, our shared border, then uh, the deal's going to be off. Well, I think it's possible he privately negotiated this, but even if he didn't, they know that whatever he told them initially uh, is really just very tenuous because the Senate ultimately next year would have to ratify any treaty. So they know it's still in play. Um, the answer to your question is yes and no. Yes, I think they're acting seriously, um, but Overall, it's not going to matter if we don't follow up on it. Why? The caravan is a political stunt. It's a few thousand people. It's important we stop it. 
because, frankly, the first one, we didn't stop. I know we let in about at least 150 of them last time, which was unbelievable. So that, that's certainly progress to stop a, 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 public, a public invasion where they say we're going to challenge your sovereignty. But the bigger story is there's hundreds of thousands of other people doing it with less fanfare and pomp. So I actually think, you know, Trump was, was serious about it. Um, he, I'm sure he said things beyond what he said publicly on Twitter, uh, and, and I'm sure that's working. But the question is, are we going to stem the tide here on out? Because like I said, September was the worst month ever for our border in terms of Central Americans crossing over. And I don't see any signs that that stopped in October. We, we obviously don't have data for that yet. So, you know, that's all up to Trump. And I think, you know, he needs to, right after the election, he needs to demand a bill from Congress, because the next budget bill is, what, December 7th, and say, I will veto a bill that doesn't have my priorities on not just the border wall, but asylum, the UAC stuff, sanctuary cities, and all that. And, and really, that's the thing. You know, I have a list. Your your um, listeners could, could go to our website, Conservative Review, 25 no-brainer immigration plans to make America safer. Just Google 25 immigration plans. And you go through all them, and there's one underlying theme. If you just don't make it hospitable for them here, they won't come. For example, if you stop the identity theft, which we could easily do with the IRS and Social Security Administration, but we don't, they can't, they can't work here, they can't function here. Um, you know, I have a novel idea about illegal immigration. You make it illegal. See, it's not really like that. We have mixed signals. Well, you could come to the border and ask this in this case. And, and again, the laws aren't really problematic. Just so you know in general, what has happened over the years is our legal immigration is problematic. The chain migration, the Heart Seller Act, that needs to be changed. With illegal immigration, not, nothing ever made it a, a, a suicide pact. Uh, they were all things equal. We want you know to leave open if this guy comes for this or whatever. You have the opportunity. If you want to present yourself, we might let you in. If not, not. But what's happened is over the years, administrations have codified exceptions as the rule. And they make all these little statuses the, the rule. And then over the years, the courts have gradually said, you must make those stretches of the law the law and rewrite them. And I just want to revisit something I said on the courts. You should know a, a couple weeks ago, a California federal judge didn't just say Trump's sanctuary policy is no good. He said that the statute preventing local politicians and law enforcement from hiding illegals and harboring them is unconstitutional. So there's nothing you can do then if you're going to legitimize something like that. They're the ones not listening. They're the ones engaging in civil disobedience. This is our law. This is our inheritance. This is our sovereignty. These are our borders. I really think the same way Reagan was remembered for ending this, you know, defeating the Soviet Union, I think the next couple months will be Trump's opportunity to be the man remembered as finally securing our border. Daniel Horowitz, senior editor at Conservative Review. What's that uh, uh, link called again, or the uh, story called? Twenty five. Sure. So, t- t- twenty five uh, no brainer immigration plans to make America safer. And that's at conservativereview.com. That's correct. You Google my name, 25 no-brainer immigration ideas, and it will come up. 
want to make sure I find that. I'll try to share that as well. Daniel Horowitz. Daniel, always a pleasure. Thanks very much. I want to talk to you about the midterms before we get to November 6th, so hopefully we can have you back then. Sound all right? Looking forward. Take care. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel Horowitz, Senior Editor at Conservative Review and the author of Stolen Sovereignty, a book you simply must have. It's 10.01, right back after this on AM 1420. The